In 304 AD, in Abitine, which is modern-day Tunisia, 49 Christians were arrested and brought before a local judge. They were accused of a capital offense. On Sunday, they had gathered at the home of a local man to celebrate Mass. The judge asked the, the homeowner, a man named Emeritus, why he had violated the Emperor Diocletian's command. And he responded in Latin, sine dominico non possumus. It's a phrase that really has kind of a double meaning. Dominico could refer, refer to the Lord, the gift of the Lord. So it would, in that case, it would be something like, without the gift of the Lord, we cannot live. We cannot do it without the gift of the Lord, something like that. Or it could refer, Dominico, to the Lord's day. Without the Lord's day, we cannot live. But the two meanings are related. The gift of the Lord refers to, I mean, that's the, he gives us himself. Um, he wants a relationship with us, but it's not an individualized relationship. We encounter him ordinarily in the church and most intimately in the Eucharist, where he's really, truly, and substantially present. And of course, the Mass, the Eucharist, though it's celebrated every day, it is most fittingly celebrated on Sunday, the Lord's Day, the day of the resurrection. For these Christians, the Sunday Mass was a commandment, yes, but even more than that, it was an inner necessity. Without him who sustains our life, life itself becomes empty. That was what this man emeritus was saying. And so those 49 individuals, including the priest, men, women, and children, were martyred, were executed for the faith. And since that day, they've enjoyed eternal glory. It is worth pondering the martyrs of Abitine as we reflect on our gospel today, a gospel which at first seems very harsh. And even when we kind of dig into it, it nonetheless remains very challenging and demanding. We begin this gospel with Luke telling us that great crowds are traveling with Jesus, and he turns to address them. So these are not only his hardcore disciples, his apostles, great crowds, the masses. And he turns and he addresses them. What does our Lord say? Well, Jesus gets the people's attention and ours with what he says about hating one's family. We'll get to what he means in a minute. But really, his message is summed up in this parable he gives about a builder. He says, what builder trying to build a, a tower would not first sit down and make sure he had the money and the material to do it? Or what king, with his army in the field, assessing a bigger king's army would not first sit down and think and, and discern whether he can actually achieve victory or not. His point to these masses is, if you're going to follow me, it will cost you. It will be challenging and demanding. It will not be easy. And he gives two or three very specific uh, principles that his disciples have to follow. Really, really two principles. First, he establishes that if he, we want to be his disciple, then we can prefer or love no one or no thing more than him. 
This extends even to our family relationships. And he says, if anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now the word hate here, it does need to be nuanced a little. All right, Because on the one hand, I mean, Jesus tells us, hey, we need to love our neighbor. We need to even love our enemy. It is a complete contradiction if he says, love your neighbor, love your enemy, but don't love your family. In fact, hate your family. No, what is he doing? He is using hyperbole. He is exaggerating to prove a point. And Jesus does this all over the gospel. Think of uh, when he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He does not actually mean chop off your right hand. He's exaggerating to prove the point that we must be willing to remove any circumstance from our life that leads us into sin. Any circumstance, even if that's a person. That's a very similar message to what he's saying here, right? He's exaggerating to prove the point that we must be willing to remove even the sacredness of family loyalty should that become an obstacle to following Christ. But I suppose that begs the question, what does he have in mind? What would be an example of this? Well, think of uh, an adult convert who is shunned by his family for converting to Catholicism, or a young woman whose parents disown her for pursuing a religious vocation. That does still happen today. Maybe, maybe it's not often. It does nonetheless happen. But I think this applies even on a day-to-day level. If there's anyone in our life, anyone who talks us out of obeying God, who keeps us from practicing the faith, then they have too much power, and we need to separate ourselves from them. If a boss tries to pressure us into doing something clearly immoral, for the sake of the company, a financial gain. At the very least, we need to say, sorry, I can't do it. Most likely, we probably need to look for another job. If a boyfriend pressures his girlfriend into being promiscuous, it's time to break it off. If a friend uh, pressures us into lying, cheating, stealing, fill in the blank, it's probably time to find a new friend. No human relationship is worth sacrificing the one relationship necessary the one between the relationship between us and Christ. The second principle Jesus really emphasizes is the role of the cross, the role of the cross. And, you know, when we read this gospel passage, the part that seems really shocking is when Jesus says his disciples must be willing to hate even their family, even his own life. There's a really good argument to be made that his saying here about the cross would have been the most shocking thing for a first century audience. You know, the only thing, we, we're, we're used to the cross as a religious symbol, but in the first century it was not. It was a symbol of the brutality of the Roman Empire. I think the only cultural thing similar to it today would be a hangman's noose. But here's the difference. I really hope none of us have seen somebody hanged. In the first century, you would have seen people crucified if you lived in the Roman Empire, especially if you lived around Jerusalem, a place that was rebellious against Rome. And, and part of the reason for crucifixion was they would leave the, 
dead person there as a warning, Romans would, to others. And so Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, it will involve self-denial, suffering. It might even involve death, and a pretty horrible one at that. However, Jesus points to the cross because it is always the road that leads to heaven, to the unspeakable glory of heaven. And we see this with the martyrs of Abitine, right? You know, it's a simple rule, no cross, no crown. If we want to be his disciple, it will involve this heavenly glory, but first the cross. For those 49 souls who chose to go to Mass on Sunday, even though they knew it might cost them their life, uh, the cross for them was to bear witness by shedding their blood. That's something relatively few Christians are asked to do. God asked few of us to do that. But that word martyr means witness. And we are all called to bear witness to the truth of the faith in word and in deed. And if we bear witness to the truth of the faith today, we will pay a price. Thanks be to God, probably we won't, uh, like these martyrs, be asked to lose our life. But we might lose friends, we might lose reputation, we might lose honor, prestige, etc. If we stand up and say, yes, I believe in Christ, yes, I believe the Catholic faith, we will pay a price. But if it costs us, it's worth it. Sine Dominico non passimus. Without the Lord, we cannot live. For Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Christ is to the Christian what the Son is to the earth. Without the Son, this earth ceases to be. Christ is the one who gives meaning to our life and purpose and fulfillment. Christ is the fullness of God's revealed truth. So that divine wisdom, so hard to attain, virtually impossible without the gift of the Holy Spirit that we heard in our first reading. Christ, he is the incarnate wisdom of God, and he gives this freely to any who seek to believe and enter into this relationship with him. He is the way to eternal life. He is the truth. He is the life. And even if we follow him, if we follow him, even though we will die, we shall live and reign with him forever. Sine Dominico non passimus. May we live by that motto, just as these martyrs and saints did so many years ago.